0: This is Dice and Shubi X the podcast episode 280 for the week of December 4th, 2011. Hey, hey, folks, welcome to Dies and Shoe BX,
1: the podcast
0: an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site,
1: Dies and Shoe EX.
0: We, the two of us here from the Dies of the End to the Shoe to the E to the X, cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of lightning, and a little bit of entertaining. That's right. This week, it is the two, the only two, the male figures from Dies and Shoe EX, the original duo. I was just promising the original core trio. But uh, Mary's got a tummy ache. I think she just pulled a Mr. Satan on me. I'm not entirely sure. (laughs)
1: oh dear she can't save the world this time
0: that's right (laughs) uh julian off in japan good to hear from you sir this week what's up dude
1: yes well i was going to be here last week but at the very last minute i got a phone call from a member of the choir that i sing in that said they were going to pull an emergency rehearsal before the concert the same day because they didn't think they were ready yet so i was off to kobe
0: what is an emergency choir rehearsal
1: like they decided at the optional rehearsal that was on the day off earlier in the week that I didn't go to because I wanted to spend time with my family. (laughs) And they neglected to inform me until several hours before it was about to happen.
0: Wow, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, regardless, we missed you last week with the first GT review of Awesomeness, but we will catch up with you and GT this episode. Yes. Good, good, good. Well, that leaves me. My name is Mike. I go by VG2EX. Julian, you and myself, we're rocking it this episode. You and oh, yes. I are going to do a little bit of catch up with each other. I want to talk to you a little bit about GT because we could not get your thoughts last week. And then we got some Japanese TV, not quite news, it's more of stuffage to talk about, and um, then we're going to play the Anime USA panel from a couple weeks ago, because it's half edited, it's sitting there, and hey, why the hell not?
1: Hmm, yes.
0: That's my plan this week. So, Julian, the first thing I want to talk about is you and Dragon Ball GT. Show me on the internet where GT touched you.
1: (laughs) It touched me right In the forehead. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: Last week, myself, Mary, our buddy Jeff, and our buddy Sean was here with us. We did our first Dragon Ball GT review of Awesomeness. It's taken us about four years. We got through the entirety of the manga. We're moving on to GT with our review and our analysis. You couldn't join us for the first five episodes, but you are an important man. I want to get your thoughts on those first five episodes. What you got, dude?
1: Well, I thought, you know, they really stretched the role of pilaf to become a major exposition
0: <laughs> know, right?
1: all-around guy i mean wh- what did he do when he was hanging out with piccolo did he get him drunk or something so he just spouted off about all of this stuff or maybe it's one of those old man stories things hey pilaf did i ever tell you about the time when i was a un and i hadn't split off from my good half yet well, we made this other Ford of Dragon Balls and we left them up at the top of this really tall tower, but you can only get there by a long pole. Or maybe if you have a climbing machine it's okay too. I dunno.
0: It's <laughs> a good point because it seemed like they were more climbing than flying up there.
1: Well, I think there's a big deal made about in the series that you can't fly. Right, which we see broken, which we acknowledged. But he's Pilaf, so he has to follow those rules.
0: Well, he's more of a gag character, so he doesn't really have to follow any rules.
1: Yes, I I must be at some point been like, Hey, Pilaf, did I ever tell you about the time? Yes, yes, I know. Okay, Black Star Dragon Balls. I'll go look for them when I get old or something. I don't know why they're all from New York. Beside Pilaf and uh, some of, I guess we'll call them plot holes,
0: (laughs) what were your overall impressions of these first um, five episodes.
1: Well, I thought they were by and large more sort of adventure oriented, which totally. in some respects is a kind of a nice throwback to early Dragon Ball. But at the same time, um, and I think um, Jeff brought this up in the episode, that it's sort of setting you out with an overall goal that's not quite as urgent as it is in the original series. Yeah, yeah. So in in, in that respect, there's not quite the same sense of, I don't know what you'd call it, exploration or it wasn't really wonder because it was kind of a gag manga at the time, but... Yeah, they have a mission, so to speak.
0: Yeah, they have a mission right out the gate as opposed to before. I mean... Sure, Bulma had a mission. It was collect these Dragon Balls, but it was kind of at her leisure. I, mean, I guess she had to go back to school at, at some point, even though it sounds like she wasn't really going to school by the time Goku went to go find her. But yeah, everything was more casual and nonchalant. And this is, you have a year, here's what you need to go do. And they're having fun along the way, sort of, kind of. But the fun is second to the mission.
1: Yeah, in that respect, I think like it's, I don't know if it's weaker. But it definitely has a different tone. And in spite of that, I mean, the first couple of episodes had a pretty decent pacing, but then it kind of drops off.
0: Yeah, you felt the same way about that then. Mm.
1: Yeah, even though, I mean, they're creating the story. So, you know, they can tell the story whatever pace they want, but I felt like they were stalling Mm. for time. Maybe they felt like they needed more dramatic impact or something. I think that's a
0: great word to describe it. It's something we didn't toss out there. It did feel more like a stall than anything else.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> maybe they just hadn't plotted up out enough stuff to fill out the episode, so they just needed to throw in something else. But yeah, yeah. It kind of felt like that. You know, they're not adapting from anything else, so they really shouldn't have to rely on that, except if they're not used to doing that.
0: Some stuff we didn't have a whole lot to talk about, but I kind of do want to talk about a little more with you, is the art style and the music. It's uh, a different look for the series, a different tone in terms of music, or maybe it's not so much a different tone. What's your take on the presentation? of gt
1: well it's really hard to say you know there are a a, a lot of sort of both cosmetic and um, deeper changes into the series just in the cosmetic the animation style is different it's definitely trying to go for maybe an updated look based on toriyama's designs but sort of taking things in a slightly different direction Mm, yeah Maybe almost based more on his Dragon Quest-style artwork.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of villains and just side characters, and even the megans felt very much like, not toss-away Dragon Quest designs, but like you'd see in Dragon Quest, the villager designs.
1: Yeah, so in that respect, it seemed kind of, I don't know how to describe it, really, but definitely a different sense. I mean, you also have the different background music, Tokunaba versus Shippa Kikuchi. And also just the themes. And the themes, I don't know if it's touched upon too much, but you've got these big mid-90s Japanese groups doing the music. You've got Dean, huge, huge boy rock band in the middle of the 90s. Right. And you've got Field of View, who I know less about, but they were popular at one point.
0: Yeah, that's uh, important to note as well. Almost, uh, not even almost all of them, I guess you would say none of them, you hear from anymore. I mean, are these groups even still around? I Occasionally I see popping up sort of best of compilations of them on, what is this thing in Japan that they're printing CDs on some higher fidelity CD? What is this jibber jabber they're putting out there? I I can't even...
1: You know, I I really have no idea. I've never heard that before. It may be just trying to get them to justify how much more they charge for I think physical media. So.
0: Ah, it's crazy. But yeah, that's what I'm seeing for these groups. They're not yeah. relevant anymore. And that's just kind of yes. the style of Japan.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's see, out of them zard um, well Izumi Sakai died. Right. But <laughs> well She but... sort of maybe maybe even because of that, she's sort of perennially popular now. Yeah, that's um, true. Um And let's see, Shizuka Kudo, the singer of the second ending theme.
0: Uh, Third. Zard was, don't you see? Third. Oh, yes,
1: yes, that's third. So we have, well, she was in Onyanko Club, which is sort of an early, late 80s, early 90s version of AKB, managed by the same guy. Um, (laughs) then, Then she went solo, and then probably now she's best known as being the wife of SMAP's Takuya Kimura. (laughs)
0: Which we're going to get to in just a little bit. That's interesting.
1: So she's still around, but yeah, she's not really popular.
0: And then Wands, I don't know anything
1: about. Yeah, not really either. They were popular in the 90s. I know that much.
0: So this total change in the musical styles, but I feel like the GT theme songs, and we'll talk more about them as we get through the series, because we're still on just the, the one opening and the first closing. They seem like they survive more than the content of the show itself in the rose tinted memories of fans
1: yes well the music itself is good has nothing to do with the show but the music (laughs) right right pretty nice and the show itself i don't know i think in some respects it kind of reflects the age in which it was made Mm. you know how you had all those 90s cartoons in the u.s which were kind of trying to go darker and right edgier and yep I kind of feel like it's trying to do the same thing, but it doesn't quite know how. I mean, Dragon Ball Z got more dramatic in comparison to Dragon Ball.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Toriyama already did that in his own series, but then he pulled it back.
1: Yeah, he he tried to make it lighter and more comedic, despite some of the very horrific things that happened in the last few volumes. Right. Uh, And then this one tries to take it back in a more, I wouldn't call it dramatic necessarily, but sinister direction.
0: Mm, Right, right.
1: Like the Dragon Ball's themselves are almost this evil force. Hmm. And, well, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves.
0: But. Yeah. <laughs> well, with 64 episodes, at least compared to the other Dragon Ball series, I feel like 64, you kind of almost by default just talk about the series as a uh, an entire whole. Hole, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. So anything else you want to toss out there about those first five episodes? Well,
1: let's see. I thought overall the characterization of Trunks was pretty good. I mm-hmm. mean, we have to keep in mind that he's a separate person, From the future version Right That in general He's not all that bright Although the future version Had trained himself To be much more adept at combat Um, And he's sort of struggling With his desire to have fun And adventures And hang out with his friends But he's found himself The CEO of a company Who has no free time Right a secretary who always acts nice to him but probably doesn't like him very much. and Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of get that sense. And I wish they'd kind of done more with that, frankly, because once they get out of space, he just kind of seems to become dumber and forgets about the power that he has. Oh, for sure.
0: I mean, Trunks is immediately just swatted aside and like Sean was joking about, it's Goku time. Suddenly just Goku, Goku, Goku. That's it.
1: But even even there, I mean, Goku's not known for being too bright either, but it seems like... The brains of the outfit is really his granddaughter, Pan. (laughs) Sadly. In spite of her being, what, nine or ten years old at this point. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: So I guess the question is, are you looking forward to continuing onward throughout GT?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of enjoyable. It's, you know, turn your brain off, basically.
0: Yeah. Combination of that plus it's a quasi job. It's something you're Mm. doing. (laughs) Yes. Do it for the greater good. Right. All right, dude, it was uh, good to catch up with uh, you and Dragon Ball GT. We're going to do our best to make sure you're with us as often as we can have you throughout the remainder of the review process here. So what we're going to do now, before we turn it over to the news, is this is sort of news, but not really. It's just kind of something that was on TV, but it had some heavy Dragon Ball relevance, so I really wanted to discuss it. I think the uh, best way to set it up is that um, you saw it at the gym with no audio first.
1: So I was sort of on the elliptical machine warming up to get ready to do my weight training, which I'm getting a little bit lazy about. But <laughs> I was watching up on the TV and I saw Dragon Ball images and Smap singing alongside some very aged versions of people I sort of <laughs> recognized, and I thought, "Wait a sec! Oh my god Ushio Hashimoto has um, certainly grown, so to speak."
0: <laughs> it's sad. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, before we get to the content of this, I got to ask you. Um, are you the same way as me, where you get all of your pop culture information at the gym, either on the elliptical or treadmill?
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: <laughs> I guess that's what it is to get older, yeah. So let's set yeah. this up. Uh, this TV show, Smap, is it Smap, Xmap. Smap, cross smap Smap, Smap, how do they call smap, it? Smap. Just Smap, Smap. Yes. So it's like Hunter Hunter, where you don't say the X in the
1: middle. That's right. All right.
0: It's a variety show with a couple of guys from basically what you'd call a boy band,
1: right? Yeah, they've been around for a really long time since they were teenagers, and now they're in their 30s or 40s.
0: Right. So when you get to that point, to stay relevant, you pretty much go on quasi daytime, evening-ish TV to do variety shows for Housewives?
1: Every time is Variety Time in Japan.
0: (laughs) All right, fair Um, point.
1: (laughs) There's a dearth of programming, programming. So they just throw random stuff on TV and see what sticks. Smap, Smap at least tends to have a format. Mm. They have an interview with a big star. They have a musical performance and they have comedy. Right. But there are a lot of variety shows, which are just people talking about stupid things. Watching things and you'll always see their face in a little corner on the screen. Yep, yep. And eating things and watching dumb YouTube videos, literally things that they just pulled off of YouTube and they thought, why even bother?
0: Right, we'll talk about the content momentarily. I have to ask you, because I've never understood this, why is it on Japanese variety shows do they write in giant text? Occasionally, in every couple seconds, just literally what that person is saying, and it's karaoke style where they like highlight it as they're saying it. What is that all about?
1: Um, I think it's just to emphasize what they're saying in big letters because the audience is stupid. Okay. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I was on the right also track then. occasionally it sort of uh, emphasizes wordplay or puns. Right. Or, right. Yeah. Big old um, puns maybe something that you wouldn't necessarily catch at first. But most of the time, it's just there. It's just what they it's just It's just like you always have the host's face in a little box in the corner when you're watching something else, and you th- think it's kind of creepy because they're looking at you. <laughs> you they wish they'd go away so you can concentrate on what's being shown. Right. But they don't.
0: All right. So the November 28th episode of Smap Smap was a special anime theme song filled episode. This was pretty fantastic. The members of the band performed alongside, as you were saying, some folks that are getting a little uh, up there in age, the original artists for a whole bunch of theme songs. It started off with Evangelion and then went right into Dragon Ball.
1: Yeah. So that was kind of cool, to be honest. I mean, it was a weird segue, but um, it was, (laughs) but, you know, nostalgia wave, get all the warm fuzzies inside.
0: Right, right. I guess let's, let's talk about the two songs and then you can tell us a little bit about the surrounding context here. I think Dragon Ball was the anomaly because we got two songs. It started off with Hiroki Takahashi, who for the longest time kind of just disappeared. He came back with Ushio Hashimoto. Was that 2005? ish. He did the 2005 version of Makifushigi, and then around then was that Inazuma Challenger CD where they did covers.
1: It was a little later because I was already in Japan. Okay, so it's in our... 2008... Music guy, you can check out the dates yeah. there,
0: right? Um, him and Ushio Hashimoto performed their own songs, and then Hiroki Takahashi came back just a couple years back to perform "Power of Dreamer," which was the opening theme to the Wii game. Came out in Japan as Makafushiki Ken. We got it as Revenge of King Piccolo. We kind of just assumed again. It's just going to go away and we'll never hear from him (laughs) again Uh, he showed up to perform his song that was pretty exciting
1: Mm, yeah I mean it's sort of like almost like seeing an old friend in a way
0: Right. We talk so much about Hironobu Kageyama. We got to give Takahashi his credit. I mean, he was there for 153 episodes. I think this was probably my favorite performance on the show. Yeah, yes. it's the Dragon Ball opening, but Shingo Katori from SMAP, he played Son Goku in the 2006 Sayuki Journey to the West live-action series. I think he is just the funniest man on the planet. He is absolutely amazing. He was so into this performance.
1: Yes, he has really good comic timing.
0: He does. He does. Do you think it was coincidence or purposeful that they had someone who had played a version of Son Goku sing along with this song? Was that intentional?
1: It could be. I mean... It, they never actually highlighted that, but I think it's entirely possible.
0: It was a great performance. He was so into it, right?
1: Yeah. And I thought the commentary from some of the other people, although I usually ignore those parts, was kind of interesting. Um, there's uh, one one guy, and I completely forget his name, but my wife could tell me exactly who he is. He he mentioned that he had an opportunity to have a role on Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, a live really? action film. But he turned it down. They called him up, I guess, and they said... Yeah, we're uh, filming this coming Sunday in Mexico. Can you get out here? <laughs> From Japan. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I kind of already have plans, but it turned out that what they wanted him for was somebody who gets killed by Piccolo in order to take the Dragon Ball. So
0: oh geez. it wouldn't have
1: been much of a role either.
0: So it would have just been this little cameo thing that only people in Japan would have even gotten in the first place. Yeah.
1: Ah, oh, jeez. Alright. Pretty much.
0: Alright, so uh all of a sudden the song ends, you think it's over, in comes Romantiku Agerio, Ushio Hashimoto herself performing the song. This was the only anime they got two songs the entire episode, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Um well I don't remember because I i went off and often I, I did my weight training and then when I watched the version with sound, <laughs> just I just kinda watched the Dragon Ball part. Um gotcha. But yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed that, and I think there is a special place for Dragon Ball, a lot of people Hearts. i mean there was oh, one totally. piece too and there was totoro and right right was there was uh galaxy railways and what else
0: uh started with ava i think you named all of the big ones there uh Shin-chan was in there
1: that was a pretty Shin-chan. big one. Uh,
0: touch was in there as well i think
1: Okay. That's all the ones I remember. <laughs> right.
0: So we've got Ushio Hashimoto. She's joined by Gori Inagaki from SMAP there. Uh, not as great as uh, Shingo a little bit earlier, but respectable enough doing a little duet version of the song. What did you think about the footage in the background? It was pretty hilarious to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of it was sort of just the footage from the series, but hmm, I don't know.
0: They were trying to play as many of the romance things as they could including (laughs) things like goku laying on bulma's panties and then shooting him (laughs) like it involves privates i guess it's romance we'll fudge it as best we can
1: yeah it was kind of arbitrary there i mean dragon ball does not have much in the way of romance no it doesn't at all
0: but they ended on that dog with goku and chi chi toward the end so yeah. Kind of worked itself out That was there. cute. All right. So tell me a little bit more about what they were talking about with Dragon Ball and hearing the songs. Was there anything of interest in there?
1: Uh, You know what? That little bit of banter completely escapes me. I don't really think.
0: <laughs> so the stuff about evolution was the best that there was.
1: That, that was what really stuck in my mind.
0: <laughs> Jeez. So it's just these celebrities for the sake of being celebrities, pretty much just talking nonsense in between songs. I mean, that's what this stuff is.
1: Yeah, well, basically, they're talking about how what they remember of the song and their likes and dislikes and that sort of thing. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, it was what it was. So, if you're uh, so inclined, it's easy enough to find this stuff on the internet. SMAP X SMAP. Just SMAP SMAP, but a little X in there. It's the November 28th mm. episode. I'm sure you can track it down if you're looking for it. It's the internets. We're not going to hide it. So, uh, Julian, what we're going to do now is talk about the real news. Yes. I got one bit of non-news, but still kind of news. I don't know why I'm putting it in the news, but we'll talk about it. Uh, More sale prices online. Hopefully, they're still going by the time you get around to listening to this. As of this recording... Amazon still got some crazy Black Friday, Cyber Monday-ish deals going on on Dragon Ball stuff. The first TV series, The Blue Bricks, I think about a month ago, we were saying how they're $15. Right now, they're down to 12 dollars 5 So you can pick up that first series, super, super cheap, and probably of more interest to uh, our specific audience. Dragon Boxes 5 and 6 are down to about $21. So if you've been slow picking those up, this is the time to go check those out. But now, Julian, one of our favorite bits of Dragon Ball from the last couple years is expanding into a new format. Can you tell us what is going on with Dragon Ball SD?
1: So the last quarterly issue of Psycho Jump just recently came out with the fourth chapter of Oishi's Dragon Ball SD but the magazine would be going monthly. And they didn't say anything on what would happen to Dragon Ball SD during that time. Well, as a matter of fact, it turns out that Dragon Ball SD will also be going monthly.
0: Now, Julian, they have uh, just... A series of images on their Psycho Jump website. Little boxes showing titles of all the series here. What I'd love you to do here is give us a read in Japanese for Dragon Ball SD here, and then uh, give us a little translation of it.
1: <clears throat> okay, just for the Dragon Ball.
0: Yeah, just the one I have here.
1: Okay. Dragon Ball SD. Genesaku Kanshu. Toriyama Akira. Manga. Oishi nao That doesn't say much at all. Yes, it says the super popular manga Dragon Ball has gone SD, super deformed. The deformed Sengoku is waiting for you, so don't miss this.
0: (laughs) This is the kind of stuff we joke about it, but we're being totally honest. Japanese advertisements don't say a goddamn thing. Pretty much, yeah. All right. So, in addition to that, if you click on the images, um, it does have kind of a a preview of stuff. And we've got uh, the first page preview of the first monthly Dragon Ball SD looking pretty familiar.
1: Yeah. Where's the SD? (laughs) Where's the something new? Yeah, it looks it looks a lot like Goku is maybe an inch shorter than (laughs) than he originally was. I know, I know. But not not much.
0: We're looking at this first page here that they present. It's just a condensed version of well the first couple pages of Dragon Ball as is. I mean, he's at the little temple side thing there up on the mountain and he's praying to the Dragon Ball that he believes is his grandfather. He walks outside and he gets hit by Bulma in the car. Yeah, I, I mean, to their credit, almost all of the SD chapters start out pretty much the same as the original stories. They have a couple minor differences here and there as they get going. I I don't know, man. Going monthly, what are they going to do with this to make it interesting or engaging? We can't keep having this same conversation about SD, not even the conclusion, just asking why does this exist? To make money. I know. It's such an easy answer. I was talking about this with, with Mary earlier. I mean, we haven't even done our review of Chapter 4 yet. We've probably should since it covers the boo arc. I don't think that we're gonna cover it monthly anymore. If it's just going to be the story, we've already done a manga review from the author's the original author's vision. Maybe we'll just collect this over the course of a quarter or a half year, or even just a full year when it's done. I don't see us pulling any kind of interesting discussion out of this anymore.
1: Yeah, unless it really decides to do something interesting, I don't know if it's really worth our time. We can sort of throw up a you know a couple sentences blurb as to this month's issue this happens
0: right right this month they're off to namek again i guess i mean that's (laughs) i guess the biggest question here is they've already covered some of the important arcs of the dragon ball series i mean the original training then they jumped to frieza then they did Cell, and then boo so is she just gonna cover all of that material again or fill in the blanks (laughs) i don't know
1: i have No idea. Now it does say in the little blurb uh, Kanshu or editorial supervision will be done by Akira Toriyama and I have no idea what that means for the quality. I don't know. Judging by his memory, he'll be like Oh, this looks fresh and interesting. Here you go.
0: (laughs) I think I remember that character. Sounds right. Looks kind of familiar. (laughs) Go with it. Where's my check? Done. (laughs) All right, man, that is it. That's it for news this last week. I'm glad we could talk about GT and some of the other stuff. So what we're going to do right now is you will hop away for a while, and what I'm going to play is the panel that myself and Mary did at Anime USA down in Virginia, I think as of this recording two weeks ago, something like that, it was November 18th, 19th, and 20th down in Arlington, Virginia. We did an updated version of 10 Things You Didn't Know About Dragon Ball, which was a panel we debuted at Oticon 2010. Uh, I said myself and Mary did it. Uh, Jeff was our technical hero on the side. He was uh, playing videos and arranging the audio recording for us so if you've been following along with us some of it's going to sound familiar we've got a few repeats from the original version lots of new stuff mixed into previous segments, we tossed out some segments, we brought some entirely new segments in Uh, there were a lot of visuals that went along with it it was a a panel in person at a convention, so we had slides and video examples and that kind of stuff I didn't record it video wise this time around, so hopefully Mm. you can just deal with the uh, audio version here. If you're a regular Listener, a regular visitor of the website, most of it's probably going to be stuff you know. I did toss in some new stuff in there. Uh, we covered some of the Proto Dragon Ball stuff ahead of time. Talked about Journey to the West a little bit. So hopefully, maybe that's a little fresh and interesting for you. We did some questions and answerings afterward. Uh, after we did the main ten thing, well, eleven things, as you'll hear. Uh, didn't bother recording any of that stuff because some of it was video related and just didn't make sense to include in here so you'll just hear intro and then all the 10 things we covered um and and that's it if you want to see more of this kind of stuff if you didn't check out our panel from 2010 we do have a fully produced version up on our feature section on the website our current feature is still the kenji yamamoto retrospective but if you dig back a little bit on the feature page i think the previous one may have been 10 things i don't know if we've done a major feature (laughs) since otakon 2010 in the meantime i I don't believe we had so you can go check that out uh full video there that was myself mary and our buddy heath hugio from Constantide did that in person so you can see us presenting it full video with all the slides and all that jazz so uh julian you and i will jump away for a while please enjoy the panel after the panel wraps up you and i will come back we're going to do releases and a little bit of feedback and then we'll wrap up the show
1: okay
0: All right, let's get started. Yay! Welcome! You're here to learn 10 things, maybe 11, because I can't trim down content. Things you didn't know about Dragon Ball. It's uh a... bright and early, dark morning down here in the video art track. I don't know what time of day it is. My name is Mike. I run a website called Dazenshu EX, and I'm here to talk about Dragon Ball with you. And to my right is my wife.
2: Hey, my name is Mary. I also run a site. It's called Temple of Trunks, but mostly I live on Mike's site these days because it's easier than having two sites. So this is actually our second time running this panel, so if you are at Oticon two years ago, we apologize for somewhat repeat content, but we got uh, a lot of fresh There's so stuff. much new
0: stuff. I'm so excited. I'm happy to show cool things. Um, just because there's so few people in here, and I was pimping the panel, how many of you do know about the website and or podcast? One, two... Yay! We do this every single week. We talk about Dragon Ball on the internet to other people who like to listen to other people talk about Dragon Ball on the internet. So we're here in person to share it with you. So we're going to cover 10 things that thankfully most of you probably don't know about Dragon Ball because we are crazy with this stuff and we want to share information. What's up first? We are going to talk about, this is new. I haven't talked about this really anywhere before. I dug back in things that the author of the series, Akira Toriyama, did before he did Dragon Ball. Of course he did Dr. Slump. That's actually where he got popular in Japan. was with Dr. Slump right before Dragon Ball. But he did a couple things, again, in between, prior to Dragon Ball, that we'll call proto-Dragon Ball. He took story elements from these and incorporated them into what became his most popular series ever. The first one, Dragon Boy. Not Dragon Ball, just Dragon Boy. This was first published in 1983, actually the beginning of 1983, in uh, Fresh Jump, which doesn't exist anymore. It was two chapters long. I'd say about a year before Dragon Ball. It's more like a year and a half, closer to the two-year mark. But what I want to say about this series is... It's Dragon Boy to Dragon Ball. What are the similarities? There are so many that it's almost frightening, and you have uh, much less respect for the author after you go back and see some of these. This story's about uh, this boy. He's saving this Chinese girl from off in the distance. got to bring her back home, so he goes on an adventure. But more than just a boy and a girl on an adventure, he's a young boy training in the mountains, exactly how Dragon Ball starts. He's got an old master that has a flying cloud. Perhaps you're familiar with that. He's never seen a girl before. He's got to do the poke and the pat to figure out what the difference is between the girls and the boys. And there's a Dragon Ball. Yes, there's a Dragon Ball in Dragon Boy. It's just one Dragon Ball and a little dragon pops out of it, so it's slightly different. There's a shape-shifting cat monster thing. Perhaps you're familiar with that from Dragon Ball as well. And there's an Aliens-inspired robot monster thing in the series. We had a couple of those in Dragon Ball. There was one other proto-Dragon Ball work that I want to talk about, The Adventure of Tong Poo. This was first published again in 1983, the end of that year in Weekly Jump. It was one long chapter. It's kind of right before Dragon Ball got started. This is a story about a boy who goes off into space and he's got to take care of things that little boys do out in space. But some specific story elements, there are capsules in this series, as opposed to just clicking a button and throwing them, you add hot water to uh, get the stuff out of the capsules. There's a girl who shoots a boy, and there are more aliens-inspired creatures. So he's uh, within the span of a single year in three different series, using the exact same plot elements. The boy and the girl, they go off on an adventure together, of course. And Tongpu is more than just a boy, I'm going to spoil it for you. Just like Goku is a little monkey alien thing, Tongpu is a cyborg. Ta-da! More than meets the eye. So where do we go from these proto-Dragon Ball works before we get to Dragon Ball itself? We have to talk about Journey to the West, which is one of my favorite subjects of all time as of the last probably like decade. What is Journey to the West? It is a 16th century story. Now please forgive me, I can pronounce Japanese like it's nothing. Chinese, I don't know. I can't do the inflections. So I'm just going to say wu ching Say yes. All right, got a thumbs up. Good to go. So the story, it's about this Buddhist monk. He's traveling to India for these holy scriptures, and he's got help from four disciples along the way. And we're going to talk about who those disciples are, because they're kind of important. The story's most well-known character is the handsome monkey king. But before we talk about them, I want to say this is the translation you want to buy. It's four volumes long by Anthony C. U. unabridged, 100 chapters, People go, oh my god, it's so long. If you've read all of Harry Potter, this is nothing to you. Absolutely suggest you go and check out Journey to the West. You're going to have a whole new appreciation for uh, pretty much every anime you will ever see. You're going to see these little references. Oh my god, they are not coming up with anything original At all. They're just stealing stuff from this 500 year old story. So, Jeff, are you over here? We are going to play a video clip first before we talk a little bit more about it. This is from a 2006 Japanese live action TV series. It was just called Sayuki, which is the Japanese pronunciation of the original title for Journey to the West. This was a great short series. The lead character, the Monkey King, was played by a dude from the J pop band SMAP, and he is the most enthusiastic. Amazing, greatest Japanese actor of all time. I don't care about Takashi Miike and the other directors and actors out there. This guy right here, the dude from SMAP, greatest actor of all time. So, Jeff, if we can switch to the other thing. This is just an opening scene from the first episode. We're kind of give you an idea of who some of these characters are and how they act with each other. Ta-da! Awesome, right? Greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Such a great series. I totally, totally dig it. Uh, Again, that was the 2006 Japanese live-action adaptation of Journey to the West. So, we're going to talk about those characters in a second, but let's bring it back to Toriyama and Dragon Ball. So, you've seen some of these proto-Dragon Ball works. He wants to do something with Journey to the West. He originally intended Goku to truly be a monkey, and that's why his name is what it is. Son Goku is just the Japanese pronunciation of Son Wukong, the handsome monkey king of Journey to the West, and you can see up here that the Ulong character was literally just going to be the Pigsy character from Journey to the West. He's got his robe, he's got his rake, and the priest character, kind of a little different, just got a little cowgirl outfit going on. But things changed as Toriyama was working on the story. You can see it's starting to become more and more like Dragon Ball. So Dragon Ball starts. Who are these characters? Are they really coming from Journey to the West? The first one, uh, my pronunciation is terrible, Swan Song. Usually you'll just see Tripitaka, and if you've played Enslaved, you've seen the character just trip. That's what they uh, like to shorten it down to. This is the monk that was traveling. This became Little Miss Puma. She's, uh, she's got these disciples coming with her along the way. Instead of going for holy scriptures, she is going to collect Dragon Balls. And of course, Sun Wukong himself, the handsome monkey king, great sage, equal to heaven became Little Monkey Boy Son Goku, different in a lot of ways, but very similar in a lot of ways, loves to fight, loves to eat, likes to pee on things, and we'll talk about that later on as well. Yes, we're going to talk about P later on. The next character, uh, these screenshots here, these are from the, I believe it's the 1986 Chinese live-action adaptation. The costume's a little more faithful, I guess you would say, than the 2006 series. Chu Pachie, or uh, just Pigsy is what you'll usually see him refer to as, obviously became Oolong. Instead of walking around with a rake, he uh, walks around with communist clothes and tries to abduct women. That's actually kind of similar to the original character, too, in Journey to the West. A lot of the disciples were heavenly beings that caused problems, and they got sent down to earth as demons, and along the way they were brought in by the priest uh, to kind of atone for their sins and help them along the way. And Sha Wuxing... I don't know. Let's just call him Sandy, because that's what everyone else calls him. This is, uh, it's not really debatable, but it's the loosest of all of them. He's just this desert demon dude who sort of became Yamcha. He was in the desert for a while. He joined up. That's the extent of it. Uh, Sandy in Journey to the West, you saw him in the opening clip there. He had the Sai-like things that he fought. He didn't talk. He very rarely talks in Journey to the West. He's just kind of there and helping keep the peace. Half of Journey to the West is Wukong and Pigsy fighting with each other, possibly throwing feces at each other, and bashing in demon heads. That's what Journey to the West is about. And this guy just kind of stands off to the side going, hmm. Master, please step away from the violence. There are a couple other things we'll talk about with Journey to the West, and I'm anticipating having extra time uh, before we wrap things up. I do have more video clips from Journey to the West to show and compare. But a couple last things. Uh, Nyoibo that Goku has, this is his um, compliance staff, they actually reduce it down from five kanji in Journey to the West down to three in Dragon Ball. It was originally the golden-hooped compliant rod. So in Wukong, he stole it from the Dragon Kings Under the Sea. It was one of those Excalibur moments where they're like, oh, no one's going to be able to lift that up. He strolls on in, picks it up. Oh, this is great. This is a fantastic weapon. It was propping things up. I don't care. I'm taking it. What are you going to do about it? So they kind of concede, all right, all right, you can take it. And please don't hurt us. Please take all this armor with you as well. Over in Dragon Ball, it's uh, not golden hooped anymore. It's just a compliant rod. He can extend it at will. There is kinto-un, which is actually just the Japanese reading of, again, from Journey to the West. The technique was called the somersault cloud. Uh, what Wukong was able to do was literally jump so far as like he was somersaulting over the clouds. And in adaptations, this became a literal cloud that Wukong would fly around on, and of course, this carried over to Dragon Ball as well. And then one last thing I'll mention. At the very beginning of Journey to the West, before you get into the journey itself, Wukong's hanging out. He's got all these kind of anthropomorphic beast-demon friends. He's got like eight or maybe ten of them. There's a monkey queen and some other ones. One of them is the ox-demon king. He's just hanging out with them. Yeah, we're buddies. We're eating all this great fruit, and we can take over all the animals in the world. So he was one of his buds in Journey to the West. He became a sort of version of himself, not really a true demon or an ox. He's just the ox demon king, just in name only. In Journey to the West, he has a wife, a concubine, and a son named Red Boy. But over in, Journey, or over in Dragon Ball, we just have his daughter Chi-Chi, so slightly different. But some other things come into play as well. So that's kind of a rough overview of Journey to the West and some things that were carried over to make early Dragon Ball. Obviously, that got tossed by the wayside as soon as the tournament came in. Oh my god, this is what's popular. Make the characters punch each other in the face. That's awesome. That makes me money. Forget Journey to the West. Let's talk about some real Dragon Ball stuff, some name puns. These are funny, because Toriyama's a funny guy. So, we're gonna talk
2: a little bit, um, beyond just the typical vegetable puns that you might see in your, um, everyday episodes. We're gonna dip into the TV special a little bit. The first one, the one focusing on Goku's father, Bardock. So, uh, the Japanese pronunciation is simply Badaku, which is an actual vegetable. Uh, It's called Greater Burdock. Thank you, Wikipedia, for this photo. It is pronounced gobo in Japanese. um, And actually, it's really... The the way that they do this pun is that they just use the English word uh, burdock to to make the character name itself. So it's kind of interesting they, they don't even use the Japanese version of that vegetable. Toriyama says about this, I don't really remember this. Did he even appear in the original story? If he was in the original story, then his name was definitely taken from a vegetable. So there's a good old Toriyama not even remembering what characters he made or well, may not have made.
0: He, he sort of redesigned Bardock, so I got to give him a little bit of credit for it. No, you didn't really design him. You kind of just drew his hair in a different way and called it a and, day. And slapped on a bada- That's uh, right. bandana and a hot scar great.
2: All right, so we've got Bardock's subordinates, his uh, four cool henchmen guys. We have Seripa, which is uh, just parsley rearranged. Pasadi. And we've got Toma, which is simply tomato. That one's probably the, the simplest of the bunch. And Totepo, which is just the rearranged letters for potato. And I always have trouble with this one. Panbukin. You're to say it like, Panbukin! Panbukin. Is head's like a pumpkin too with a head of hair okay and obviously he's pumpkin that's so right there we go dipping more into the vegetable puns for the science all right so <laughs> this one was actually new to me I, I didn't really know this one before this panel so i'm kind of learning as we go as well we call this one a lovely bunch of coconuts and more uh the little brother character that appears at the beginning of dragon ball z movie 13 his name is minoshia which is if you read coconut backwards in japanese Uh, Yashi no mi, it's mi no shi ya. Very cute. And tapion is a pun on tapioca. Tapioca, coconuts. All right. I think he's uh, kind of going for a stretch there beyond. I know vegetables, now he's doing
0: the fruit thing. And the planet itself that they come from is planet Kornos. All right.
2: (laughs) One more for movie 13,
0: though. This guy.
2: Alright, oh, So the villain, Hildegon. This one has a really, really funny story behind it. It just shows how quirky um, the team putting this, the movies together are. Um, in the guidebooks known as uh, the Daisenshu, volume number six states, the entire staff puzzled over what to name this enemy who gave the assistant producer, Mr. Seichi Hiruta, a shock, or in Japanese it's gun. That being the case, I used Mr. Hildegon's name. Mr. Hideta went gone. Hildita gone. so it became Hildegon. Sorry, this sounds like a lie, but it's actually the truth.
0: Yep, no food on this one. Dude's name, sound effect he made, slap on the character, call it a day.
2: I don't know, it sounds German or something. I, I totally it bought it. Like a mythical villain or something.
0: All right, so to wrap up uh, name puns a little bit here, Mr. Satan, the true name is revealed. How many of you know where I'm going with this? All right. Love it. So you guys probably know Mr. Satan is the true savior of Earth. He showed up during the Cell game. He defeated Cell, and of course, he defeated Boo as well. Mr. Satan was always a stage name for the character. It's something he used to intimidate his opponents, strike fear in them with this, oh, I'm Mr. Satan. Yeah, yeah, right? I'm totally gonna scare you so much that I don't actually have to fight you. Well, years go on, and the author Toriyama says, well, yeah, he's got a real name. That's not actually his name. All right, I will let you know. In, uh, a couple years back in the super exciting guides, this uh, series of two books that came out, Toriyama had a little question and answer session. He said, all right, Mr. Satan's true name is... Mark. But it carries over from the pun scheme as well. Mr. Satan's name is just as is. His daughter's name is Videl, which is just a rearranged devil. Mark is Maku, which is Akuma rearranged, just like many other name puns in the series. Akuma Maku. And that's just how you say Mark in Japanese. Ta-da! Mr. Satan's true name. Just Mark. So it's not Mark Satan? No, just just Mark. pretty badass. The thing is, in the series, when Videl meets Sung Gohan, she says, it's kind of strange that you have a last name. That's kind of gone out of style. We don't have last names anymore. So it's just Mr. Satan, Mark, and his daughter Videl. So we're talking about Toriyama, things he's forgotten over the years. Did he remember Bardock at all? Names that Mr. Akira Toriyama forgot First one up, this little guy, we know him as Shu, mostly, very beginning of the series with Pilaf. When the manga starts in chapter 18, his uh, comrade Mai calls him Soba, but in the rest of the manga and the TV series, he is named Shu. So what happened here? Well, Toriyama says, Soba is a name I probably used by accident, thinking I hadn't given him a name yet. He's working in collaboration with Toei on the TV adaptation, and because there's a little extra filler in the beginning of the TV version with Pilaf Mai and Shu wandering around uh, threatening alligators with knives. Great times. So they're talking to each other. There's going to be them addressing each other by name. So before it got to this point in the manga, someone had to say his name. Toriyama said, oh, you call him Shu, because then it's Shu Mai, which completes the food pun there. Um, Oh, I called him Soba, which are the Japanese noodles in the manga. Whoops. Totally screwed that one up. So that name, Soba, just appears in the one panel, never seen again.
2: Okay, the next one, believe it or not, is actually Trunks. You'd think that for a character that becomes so major later on, he wouldn't have been used inadvertently earlier on, but it's true. There was that side character during one of the tournaments, Ron Fon. Her name is a pun on, I believe it's like a...
0: Lingerie. lingerie and foundation. So, lingerie foundation. <laughs> lingerie foundation.
2: Uh, so, this uh, information comes from the Dragon Ball Adventure special guide from the 80s. And in it, it lists her stats. So, her age, I guess her interests. Her
0: measurements. Her
2: measurements, of course. And she's married. Yeah, right. Her, so, her husband's name is Trunks, age 29. So, given that her name is a pun on lingerie, it makes sense that uh, Toriyama made her husband's name, Trunks, even though we don't see him. I don't think maybe he was counting on expanding the Trunks uh, underwear name pun family later on in the series, but obviously he does, so it's yeah, a nice little toss
0: away. You can't expect him to remember this guidebook from 1986 by the time he gets around to the real Trunks later on in the series, so we'll cut him a break on this. One that he should have remembered, though, because it's all him, all the way, is Akuman in the Dragon Ball series, a name he forgot, not in Dragon Ball, but later on. The name pun here is, like you saw with Mark earlier, akuma, and then you just add on man to the end of it, so akuman. He was one of Baba's fighters that Goku fought. Uh, he first was introduced in 1986. There he is. He's usually more serious than this, but I thought this was the most appropriate shot to show for him. Um, so he showed up there. Later Toriyama made a series called Go Go Akman, which was published later on in 1993. And Toriyama decided to romanize the name himself there as Akman, but in Kana it's spelled the same way. And Mary was saying to me, oh, it's spelled a little bit differently. Can it really count? Storyama says, since he's demonic, I named him Akeman, But I carelessly forgot. I made a manga that was also named Akumon. I guess it's a pretty simple idea. Though so he's going for these really, really basic, almost terrible, like so bad, it's sort of funny. You just kind of politely chuckle along with him. He likes those so much that he just forgets and he reuses them later on.
2: Okay, we got another Dragon Ball one coming on. Her name is Snow, um, the little girl in the village that Goku meets up with. So... How did he forget her name? Well, to be honest, she didn't even have a name in the manga at all. She's not referred to by name. But in uh, episode 35 in the title card, uh, because she hadn't been given a name yet and she was going to be involved more in the episode itself, having dialogue going back and forth, um, the TV producers actually just gave her a name. They decided to call her Snow, and there it is in the episode title card. And then uh, at the very end of the manga itself, when everyone's donating their energy to Goku when he's finding Boo, you see a shot of a, an adult Snow uh, with um, Hachan giving her energy to Goku, and he Hachan actually refers to her as Snow. So that was kind of nice that Toriyama took that name that he didn't even make from the anime and then put it back into the manga itself. So it came full circle. Pretty Flipping nice Flipping the
0: nonset. He didn't forget... He didn't forget. He totally remembered her. Someone did their research for him. as He probably named her something else. I'm, Sir, um, we actually named her a long time ago. And then to wrap up the names that Toriyama forgot. This one just keeps going year in, year out. Mark. He just recently named the character, or at least decided to name the character Mark. How could he have forgotten about the name Mark? Well, how many of you have played the game Toball number one back on the PlayStation? Anyone besides me? Come on. Great, great game. I was a oh yes, great. So it's a great fighting game. Grappling um, ran an amazing frame rate for the PS One. Toriyama did all of the character designs for it. It was the game that came with the Final Fantasy VII demo disc that you bought. It's one of those. See, I'm like Toriyama, making really bad jokes. So you buy Toeball number one, and you get the FF7 demo. Well, there's a sequel to it, Toeball 2. That one never came out in the U.S. And in the Toeball series, there is a boss character named Mark the Devil. Wah, wah. Yep. So uh, Mark the Devil had already existed in Toeball by the time, just a couple years back. The Toriyama decided uh, Mr. Satan's true name is Mark. So he's a big fan of rearranging letters. He is. That's his big thing. All right. so this one is a neat
2: little Easter egg. We call this one Budiyasa. Who the heck is Budiyasa? That's not a character in the show or in the manga at all. Uh, If you take a look at this panel from the manga, you'll see on the far left a guy that looks really kind of out of place. He looks like an actual human. He almost seems like a caricature. He's smiling right at the camera. Very much breaking the fourth wall. What is... Up with that. So there he is. He's hanging out. He is an actual human being. Uh, this is a person that, while Toriyama was vacationing in Bali, he had a, a tour guide, and his name was Budiasa. I guess he liked the guy so much that he decided to draw him in his manga and give a little shout out. There's um, on Roshi's little uh, suitcase there, a little sticker that says Bali. Do you remember, Mike? Why? Yes. Um, <laughs> why the shout-out? Were they, like, really, really good friends or something?
0: Yeah, he had a good time. It was like, hey, I'm drawing in a manga. You're a cool dude. You showed me around Bali.
2: How did we discover this one? Was this in a guidebook?
0: Uh, it's the No, the uh, source for the pictures here, it's actually in, I think, the Birdland Times, which was back in the days pre-internet, pre-really kind of magazines for respective series. It was the Toriyama newsletter, like, fan club newsletter, And it's so difficult. Like, this random pamphlet that came out in Japan. Thankfully, someone along the line kept it. And we kind of finally dug up. Who the heck is that guy just on the left side of the page there? So, ta-da! But yeah, And you can sort of see on his sleeve it says his name. So, it's another way we knew. It was something. It wasn't just a random drawing. It was always... What is going on there? Now we have the answer. It makes you wonder
2: how many other random drawings
0: are maybe scattered throughout the series that might be real people. It's true, and because we just don't have all of the Toriyama pamphlets maybe there's information in there that we just don't know. And we can't count on the guy to remember anything. I don't know. can't even
2: remember his own characters.
0: some dude. (laughs) I have money. Leave me alone. So I want to talk about some of the spin-off manga for Dragon Ball. You may not know that there's actually quite a few. Yeah, there's Dragon Ball 1 through 42, and of course GT came afterward, but there's more manga as well. There's a couple types. There are three side stories. These were published in special guide and animation books. There was a manga adaptation of the Jump Super Animator special. There is Dragon Ball SD, which is ongoing right now. And then there is episode of Bardock, which just recently finished up. So let me tell you about some of these side stories. There's three of them. First one was called In the Name of Piccolo Daimao. It was uh, written by Takao Koyama and illustrated by Minoru Maeda, who was a very prolific animator on the TV series for Dragon Ball. This appeared in this random special, the Weekly Shonen Jump Special Edition Dragon Ball Z anime special. It's kind of a long title. It's got some information and character designs, that kind of stuff, but it's also got this uh, illustrated story about Piccolo. It's more internal and what he sees, and you can see how he grew up over there, Piccolo telling the story. Another similar one, the second one, was High Pride, Saiya Prince Vegeta. Same staff here again, and the sequel to that prior book, the Dragon Ball Z anime special, too. Same kind of thing. Vegeta's story, a little more in-depth. You can see him uh, dealing with Frieza and all of Ginyu there illustrated, kind of a nice little uh, side edition that you wouldn't know about if you didn't have this random special book. And then the third side story is Lonely Future Warrior, Trunks. Slightly different team here, the story by Aya Matsui, uh, illustrations again by Maeda. This one was different. It appeared in the comic adaptation of the Bardock TV special. In the back of that little book, there was this Trunks special. What's different is that it's mostly text. It's like a, an eight-page or so short story about Trunks saying, this is what I saw. These were my motivations for going into the past. This is what it was like to meet my father. And There are a couple illustrations along the way. You can see a couple of them uh, down there. That great shot of him transforming for the first time.
2: Okay, let's uh, hop on over to something a little more recent. This is the Jump Super Animator special book. It came out uh, just two years ago. And the translation of the title is Haya, Son Goku and Friends Return. It's by Tako Koyama, illustrated by Naho Oishi, who you'll see in some of our more upcoming slides. She's pretty much responsible for all of the, the special spinoff books in the last couple of years. And this was first published in V-Jump number 5 and 6, which was May and June of 2009. So if you're not familiar with the Ju... Uh, jump super anime tour special this came out a couple years ago um the jump super anime tour is something that a lot of the popular jump shows will go to different towns in japan and just show like a ton of new animation and for the first time in decades almost decades um there was something new for dragon ball which was really really i loved it it was really cute it was also simulcast um subtitled in various countries during the time as well, which was a real treat. It's a really cute story. So that is bundled up um, in a manga adaptation form, if you're not able to see it. We've also got Dragon Ball SD, um, supervised by the man himself, Akira Toriyama. And uh, like I said earlier, everything else was done by Naho Oishi. This appeared in Psycho Jump, which is a newish spin-off anthology magazine for regular jump. It's a quarterly magazine, and there's three chapters so far, with a fourth one coming out really soon. So this one, everyone's going to draw in, in chibi style. They're kind of not so much straight-up retellings of the original story itself. Sometimes there's a little twist. Sometimes it's kind of like a little alternate history. But it's super cute for the art. I'd like there to be more gags, but everyone is just so
0: cute. I can I can let it slide. How many of you have checked out Dragon Ball SD? Because it's sort of recent. So if you've been browsing around for Dragon Ball stuff, have you seen it? No? It's, it's cute. Uh, our decision is like, well... It exists. It's a it's thing. They tell the story, they get in, they get out, and we don't know why it exists why not just go back, make new Dragon Ball come on. To wrap up the spin-off manga, episode of Bardock this is the most recent thing, this is the new hotness as of a couple months ago again, supervisor credits from Akira Toriyama everything else, she wrote it, she drew it, Naho Oishi it appeared in V-Jump, which is the Japanese video game magazine from Shueisha uh, August, September, and October of just this year, it's three chapters long, there's one per monthly issue this was a part of a larger marketing initiative by all of the Dragon Ball rights holders, there's um, this three-part spin-off manga. They also re-released the Bardock and Trunks TV specials in Japan. Those had never, never, never gotten an individual release, not on VHS. And the only time they came out on DVD in Japan was on the massive Dragon Box collections. You couldn't get them on a single disc like we've been able to do for almost 12 years here in the U.S. So they were doing all this. Bardock, he's awesome. You remember him? Introduced new fans to him as well. So they did this new spin-off manga for him to give him, as you can see there, a new Super Saiyan transformation. The whole deal is, well, Bardock is the true, original, legendary Super Saiyan. Somehow he goes a thousand years into the past and he becomes the first one. And then there are more after that. How does that work? We don't really know. I don't think they thought it through all that well, but that's the story. We're all going to have to deal with it. So I just want to mention one last thing about episode of Bardock. Supervisor credit Akira Toriyama. Has he really been doing anything lately or is he just kind of making money? Well, he actually did something for episode of Bardock. He designed Chilled, who is the main antagonist in the series. Obviously, he's an ancestor of Frieza. He's, he's cute. He's got a little pot belly. I love him. He's totally adorable. You get the name fun, You get Frieza, King Cold, Cooler, Chilled. Yay! So, Akira Toriyama. What did he really do back in the day? Big question, Dragon Ball GT. Did he do much? I like to disregard it because he didn't do anything. He healed all sorts of things from fans about it. Well, he did. Toriyama did some stuff with it.
2: So he did mainly have a hand in the character designs. Uh, here we have a little lineup of everyone, their heights, and their new outfits. Um, primarily, you know, the core trio of the show: Goku, Pan, and Trunks. Cool outfits. He also, because he's such a big mech designer, he designed Gidu. He also designed the spaceship that they use to go out in space when they're collecting the um, the Dragon Balls. So he. He loves that kind of mech design stuff. Really nice. He also designed some of the uh, landscapes and locations that you see. I believe a lot of these were used in the opening and closing theme songs as well. And some of the episodes, too. Nice little variety there. Deserts and jungles and all that good
0: stuff. And then Toriyama worked on the logo for Dragon Ball GT. Here's his initial sketch for it. He's doing kind of the shapes of the letters. He even had notes about the colors for the logo. And it's very, very close to the final logo. So Toriyama had a hand in that. He also had a hand in GT itself. This quote was something like, well, I always envisioned Grand Touring. Uh, He was thinking more from the racing perspective about them going off into the universe to collect these Dragon Balls. And then one last thing about Dragon Ball GT. Here's a quote from the man himself. Did Toriyama ever say anything? Because the Japanese are so polite and they don't like to say anything. About their own works. What did he say about Dragon Ball GT? Well, when the Dragon Box for GT was released in Japan, Toriyama did a sketch, and he had a little introduction message here. He actually didn't design Super Saiyan 4 himself. That was designed by, we'll say, his right-hand man, Katsuyoshi Nakatsuru, who was the man who designed Bardock. So he had been there the entire run through the Dragon Ball series. So Toriyama goes, all right, I I can sketch Super Saiyan 4, and I'll give you a little quote here. Dragon Ball GT is a grand side story of the original Dragon Ball, and it'll make me Happy for us to watch and enjoy it together. Nice non-committal answer there. Yes, I was going
2: to say non-committal. <laughs> <If I've ever laughs> He's not going to come them. right out and say you're not a great fan.
0: And, I mean, what's he going to say? It's terrible. I love it. It, When GT first started, one of his uh, other quotes was, man, if I thought of turning Goku into a child again, I totally would have done that. I mean, he was somewhat actively involved in the early Dragon Ball GT, but... But he wouldn't... I guess he he wasn't writing,
2: like, specific scenarios or or episodes or anything like that. It was just purely design. All right, this one's kind of an interesting question. Why seven Dragon Balls? All right, so this um, answer actually comes to us from one of the guidebooks from the ADZ Adventure special. Specifically the question was, why are there seven Dragon Balls? His answer was, it's simply because there were eight balls in Hakenden, and it would be annoying if they were the same, so I had there be seven. Hakenden is um, I guess a Japanese fairy tale, kind of legend story about um, warrior dogs, I believe, Um, and they have these eight orbs. It's pretty, I guess it's one of the things that, if you're in Japan, everyone knows this story, so... I guess if you are living in Japan and there were eight Dragon Balls, you'd be able to see right through it and say, hey, hey that sounds familiar. So wait. he simply just removed one, another seven.
0: It's Simple, different. simple
2: man. We it's love It's more him.
0: different. My own series now.
2: Okay, this one is a very nerdy, hey, actually, this isn't right. Okay, in the manga, at the end, when everyone's donating their energy to Goku, there's a panel of number 17, and he says, I see, so that's how it is. Hm. It's hmm been a long time since I've heard his voice, too. But think about what he's saying here, and in the context of the show, and what we've read and seen in the past. It turns out Goku and Number 17 have never met before. During the time when 17 and 18 arrived in the story, Goku was um, debilitated with his heart disease. He was out for what felt like months and months, but I guess it was really only a couple days, or maybe even hours. Um, But the androids had come and gone before Goku actually was revived. So why is this even in the manga? It just doesn't make any sense. Toriyama says when Number 17 appeared near the final chapter, in the rough draft, he'd actually been lunch number 17's line near the final chapter makes sense if you think of it as being lunch's line and then we have a, a reference sketch that he used it's numbered at the bottom to be used for the anime in episode 285 and there she is in the the anime version something i guess we don't quite understand is okay well he knows that he obviously changed it but it doesn't quite say why and Toriyama being the guy he is, I'm sure he totally forgot that Goku and 17 never actually meet, but that's okay. Although, I would have loved to have seen Lunch because poor girl was just pushed
0: by the wayside. Speaking of things Toriyama forgot, totally forgot about Lunch. Whoops! Goku and everyone leaves 23rd Budokai And now yep. she's a
2: truck driver <laughs> A cute truck driver
0: She did show up in the TV version A couple extra times There's was a great scene of her Just totally wasted in a bar After Han dies During the Saiyan fight Like ah They remembered her No one else did So one of the last things I want to talk about This is a, a great addition Because it's different From the last time I presented this section This thing was dead For 17 years And all of a sudden There were new updates to it Saiyajin Zetsumetsu Keikaku are planned to eradicate the Saiyan This started the whole thing back in 1993 for the Nintendo Famicom, which is we got as the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was a video game. It was an original storyline, something that they really hadn't been doing. It wasn't just start at Pilaf or start at Raditz and move onward. It was a totally self contained story. Uh, you fought it was kind of the standard card based system, you know, you pick your attack and your stats and all that stuff, and you fly up in the air and they fight each other, you choose menu selections. But it was this great new game. Wow, great, new Dragon Ball, love it. Later on that year, they put out a two-volume VHS release. Same thing, plan to eradicate the science. This was what they called an official visual guide. It was like they animated a strategy guide for the NES game. It was... Basically a perfect playthrough of that storyline, but animated, voice acted, scored with music, so you could watch it as if it were a feature presentation. And it spanned across these two VHS volumes. And then it kind of kept going, amazingly enough. The next year on the Bondi Pladia, who else in this room, besides me, owns a Bondi Pladia or even knows what one is? Yeah, 1994, you're thinking Sega Saturn's on the way, Sony PlayStation's on the way, Bandai's releasing their own video game system? This makes no sense whatsoever. They did indeed. They put out this quick interactive system. It was called the QI. I don't remember what they called it. No one else remembers it, because it came out with anime-based games. Those didn't sell, so then they started putting idle games on it to try and recoup some costs on it. But it came with a wireless controller. It communicated over infrared. You think about a wireless controller for a video game system in 1994? It's almost unheard of at the time. But what they did with this was spanned across two games on CDs. It was the animation from the features with the story from the NES game that came prior to it. So it just kept going and going and going and for the games they added new animation into it as well because well what if you chose the wrong path what if you fly off the wrong way into space they got to show what's over there i was doing one playthrough it had been years since i played it and it's the beginning of the second game i think the space chapter you take off into space and it's just you have to press left up or right to try and navigate through space And you just try to get lucky navigating your way and i'm pressing and i'm pressing and all i'm seeing is stars just keep going and going and going. About 15 minutes later, I'm like, oh my god, I need to look up an FAQ for this. How on earth did people sit here and just randomly press these three buttons to try and get to the next stage? Maybe why the system didn't do so well. Dead for 17 years, in 2010, the story resurrected for last year's big video game, Raging Blast 2. They called it Plan to Eradicate the Super Science. They reanimated the entire thing from scratch, condensed the story down a little bit. It was included as an extra video presentation, and they used it kind of as the story for last year's game. The whole thing, it'll sound very familiar if you've seen Dragon Ball GT, the other race that was on the planet with the science, the Sufruians, you've got the vegetables and you've got the fruits. One of them's an evil scientist and they all get wiped out and they want revenge and they create this mutant robot thing that fights for them. You can see... Not even Toriyama, just the anime staff reusing their exact same story elements over and over and over. So to kind of wrap things up, I said 10 things you didn't know about Dragon Ball. These are 11 things you didn't know about Dragon Ball.
2: And if you've been on the internet and even remotely in Dragon Ball fandom, then certainly you've heard of Dragon Ball AF, the so-called new series. It's coming out super soon and my friend's uncle in Japan has already taped all the episodes and I can totally watch it. Over the years we've seen some episode guides, we've seen some characters. Character designs, I believe that's Super Saijin, what, 5? 5, five 6, Chris like 19, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> There's also um, a really cute doujinshi Dragon Ball AF. Um, the artwork's really good, and the story's
0: not too shabby either. What's really weird about that is it's a Japanese fan who's taken on the name Dragon Ball AF. AF has always been an English language thing, and the Japanese fans kind of sit back and laugh at us for perpetuating this terrible, terrible non-existent rumor. One of them said, I'm going to take some of these story elements, some of these names, and turn it into something. And that only made it worse, but it made it better at the same time. At least we can point to something, hey, now you can go read this cute little thing. But we are here because we're about to share some information that the man doesn't want you to know. There truly is a Dragon Ball AF. There's always been a Dragon Ball AF in Japan, and they just don't want you to know. You just
2: got to look in the right
0: places. First hint, very first chapter. Goku meets the girl. License plate. AF. What does it mean? Who knows? I don't know what it means. Hint number two, chapter 68. AF mailbox Mail. Mailbox of doom. AF. What is AF Mail? It doesn't make any sense. They like that one a lot, though. because the third hint. Trunks TV special. <laughs> Keep going with the AF Mailbox. What does this mean? It means nothing. We have absolutely no idea why these two letters kept popping up over the course of the <laughs> series. They continued to pop up in other places, too. It's not anyone's name. I've done more research than I care to admit about does anyone's name... First initial, last initial, is it A-F-F-A? No one exists for the staff of Dragon Ball, so it can't even be some little in-joke that they're talking about there. We don't know. It probably came from the April Fool's. A lot of people like to say, after future, maybe it's this extra thing. But it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Although you didn't help her No, no, I made it worse. That, that logo there, the Dragon Ball A-F, back in 2004, just graduated college, needed something to do, decided to make the rumor even worse. So um, we came up with a full print advertisement in Japanese Japanese for Dragon Ball AF. I edited a commercial in Japanese for Dragon Ball AF (laughs) using voices from other series that some of those actors had done, like Masako Nozawa plays Goku, Um, she showed up in One Piece as Dr. Kureha uh, who's there with Chopper, so it used some voice elements from One Piece Um, Takeshi Kusao played, is it Sionji?
2: Yeah, Sionji from Utena
0: yeah, yeah. Um You can check out our website and everything's so there. We detailed the whole thing. If I had internet access, I would show you uh, all the, the things. We used the the basis for the print advertisement was a real print advertisement for the Japanese dragon boxes in Japan. So it would have looked familiar and official. But if you can read Japanese, and we're, of course, counting on most people not to read Japanese, it says things like, it's true, it exists. I heard it from a friend who heard it from Toriyama. So, I mean, anyone who's got even the most basic Japanese knowledge is going, oh, please stop. So those kind of things. So that's the conclusion of our our spoken word portion of the panel. We are into a fresh month here in December, so let's recap. Uh, As of this recording, I guess the one thing that's come out so far, then the other couple things coming out during the month. Uh, Julian, why don't you jump over to France and tell us what's up?
1: Yes, over in France on actually yesterday. Well, not yesterday. What day is it anymore? I don't remember. (laughs) Uh, Over in France on the 1st of December, which was... Technically, this past week, by the time that you're reading it or listening to it, I don't know, I'm all kinds of out of sorts today. But anyway, there's a French Kanzenban, uh, Dragon Ball Volume 17, Glena as the publisher and it's available for 10 euros 55 and or a little bit cheaper if you pre-order at Amazon France.
0: So jumping back over to North America here on December 6th. So coming out this week here, Dragon Ball Z Movie Pack Collection 2 from Funimation. These are just repackagings of the double feature versions that came out in the Steelbooks previously for the DBZ movies. These are not in Steelbooks but uh they are the same video contents contained on DVDs if that makes sense. Uh, the double features have Blu-ray versions. These are DVD only. This set contains movies 6 through 9. They already put out 1 through 5. MSRP is twenty nine ninety eight. dollars uh, Last time I looked on Amazon it was twenty I'm looking right now, it is $20.99. So if you're looking for cheap versions of the DBZ movies, it's a good way to get it. Still prefer the Dragon Box versions, but can't go wrong with that kind of a price. Uh, Julian, over in your current homeland, though.
1: Yes, so so, coming to Japan. Very, very soon we have Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Blast coming out on December 8th. It's the latest fighting game developed by Spike and published by Namco Bandai. It's available for the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, and the suggested retail price is 7,330 yen. But you can get it for 6,981 yen at CD Japan. I recommend not
0: purchasing this game. However, oh my god, Japanese release, updated version, Kikuchi score. Sounds so good. Good. Not enough to convince me to pay for it. I was considering importing it. Not doing so now. Uh, December 13th, back over here in North America. Again, from Funimation, DBZ Level 1.2, the second volume in the new HD remaster of the non kai Dragon Ball Z TV series. This is Blu-ray only because it's a new HD remaster. That's how they want you to see it. DBZ TV episodes 18 through 34, one episode. Shy of closing up the Cyan arc. I cannot get behind that. That is such shame, but they're going with just standard episode count per set. So I guess they got to do what they got to do. MSRP is $34.98, but right now on Amazon it is $21.99. Uh, our buddy Heath Hujiya, who we mentioned before from Kanzentai, him and I talked about level 1.1 recently here on the show. And other than things like missing the correct credits and the Japanese title cards and previews and that kind of stuff very 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 solid release if you're just watching the show to watch the show it looks pretty damn spectacular so we do recommend you check that out uh that wraps up December so Julian what we're gonna do is uh check out a little bit of feedback and we'll wrap it up all right Julian over on Twitter in response to this episode and our GT review of awesomeness. Gibbonator says how bad must it feel for Pilaf to be the only series villain revived during the wish back everyone except for the bad people Wish it really hurts your
1: villain cred. I mean, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? He says, "Come on, I'm evil, right? I'm Piccolo, right? Oh, that's enough, isn't it? Poor dude. I know, but then again, I mean, does he really see himself as evil? I mean, maybe he would be evil if he weren't incompetent.
0: Over on our Facebook page, Sean says, "Thanks for the fantastic podcast." In response to the GT one, I'm very glad you enjoyed it, Sean. As for my thoughts on the episode of Bardock anime adaptation, I feel that it will be done similarly to the Jump Super Anime Tour special of 2008 and won't become something like a 12-episode series. To be completely honest, I'm more excited for any opening and ending songs that might be included, if at all. It's kind of my thing. Even for anime that I don't particularly like, I check out the new opening and endings because of the amazing songs or unique animation. As for GT, I'm really curious if anyone could get a power level on that soda can. Maybe it's even stronger than (laughs) Nappa? A lot of great comments in here. Uh, Julian, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about the episode of Bardock anime adaptation uh, yeah. before we get to some of Sean's questions here what are your uh quick thoughts on the
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> you just cannot be pleased.
1: Well I I guess it, it's new animation and I guess we'll see where they take it. It'd be nice if they sort of expand upon what's in the story so we get a little bit more mm, yeah stuff <laughs> more stuff cuz it was pretty quick. It was
0: pretty cramped. So what do you think about Sean's thoughts here uh new opening new ending? I mean even if we didn't mm. love what Kai did and Even if our thoughts on Kokuro no Hane are what they are, we did get some new music out of it. I I don't dislike Dragon Soul, so I I can kind of look forward to what Bardock's going to get, right?
1: Yeah, so I guess if there's new music, it could be interesting.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, big question here because, all right, maybe they don't want to do Kikuchi scuff anymore, but maybe they do. Clearly, Kenji Yamamoto is not going to be involved. Uh, I forget who's been doing some of the latest video game stuff and did plan to eradicate the super science. It was like Toshiyuki Kizuda. I'm totally butchering my memory on that but yeah who are they gonna get for music here i hope it's just like the jump super animator special the kikuchi score felt perfectly at place in there stuff from the entire range of the series it worked wonderfully um and maybe throw a new ending in there the jump super animator special had uh orange hero at the end and that was a great inclusion even though we never get a cd single of it so it, it could bring us joy and i hope we get joy from Ball. <laughs> right and uh as for gt the uh, battle power
1: on the soda can Thoughts That's just being a crybaby I mean have you ever uh, No maybe you don't have Experience with a toddler But even if it doesn't hurt They're gonna cry I mean when you're 10 years old, that's not really something that should happen, but...
0: (laughs) Right, right. Alright, so uh, this question just came in via emails. comes from Paolo. Hey, can you tell me whether the Dragon Ball Saga sets from Funimation, not the recent remastered ones, contain Japanese title cards and, possibly, original credits for the openings and endings and next episode previews? I don't think any release besides the Japanese ones contain next episode previews. I'm not sure, so I would like to ask. Have a great day. So, what he's referring to here were the original two-disc sets of Funimation put out for the Dragon Ball TV series. Initially skipping over the first 13 episodes, that was still under the Lionsgate sub-license at the time. They put out uh, 14 through 153 under, they called them sagas. It was like Baba Saga and General Blue Saga. and They were actually pretty nice packaging. Uh, white, stylized character cutouts. Uh, but does it include the stuff you're looking for here? No, it does not. They did not have next episode previews. They did have Japanese title cards, however. So if that's important to you, those were on there as alternate angles. Credits for the openings and endings? No, I think they only had... You can check out our DVD guide over on Dazen Chewy X for this. I know we have it. Absolutely clarified there. Julian, do you remember they only used the first opening animation and like second animation for the closing is it something like that
1: yeah I-, I think the original dragon ball series in particular had the first animation for maka Fushigi and the second animation for uh romantico Aguirre. and then they had something for a while in dragon ball z but i'd don't know how that shifted. I think for the very very first DVD releases in ancient times, you know, around 2000, 2001, they had the dead zone opening right, right. onto the TV show. But I don't think that's a problem anymore.
0: No. I just checked out the DVD guide. Yeah, it was the first animation for the opening and then the second only of was it four animation variants for the closing? Yeah. Um yeah, two uh, for the opening, yeah. four for the closing. Uh so yeah, it doesn't have all that complete stuff. The only thing we've ever gotten like that has been. Been the dragon box release for tbz that has all the proper credits proper openings proper closings all that jazz so if you're looking for that stuff you might want to check out the single disc r2 releases for the dragon ball tv series in addition to the dragon box it did come out on single discs over there so something to look into uh julian i think that's gonna do it for right now if all the cool kids have questions and comments and all that stuff where can they send them to
1: yes well you can send questions comments criticism Angry rants, anything really, as long as it's not something that's going to get us arrested, to podcast at DizX.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at DizX, for news and side announcements. And individually at Vegito AX and Saiya Jedi. And you can find us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com slash DizX.
0: Yepers. That's it. So this was episode 280 of the show. Something I neglected to mention recently. Pretty sure it was November 19th, 2005 when we started the podcast here. Oh, jeez. The website was, what, seven years old?
1: Well, yes. Well, let's see. I I joined a... Well... I started officially, what, 2003? Yeah, you
0: came on. Well, I started the site in 98. You came on in 2003. Started the podcast in 2005.
1: So Two thousand five. So the
0: website was seven years old at that point. So right now the podcast has hit the six-year mark. And in January, just a month from now, the website's going to hit 14 years of existing on the internet. We are wow. at the point where my website has been up longer than some of the folks listening to this show. And that scares the fucking hell out of me.
1: I know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, 13 years ago, I was getting into the series. I I know. <laughs> and now we have some listeners who are that age.
0: And I mean, there's plenty that are older than us, too. And every time we talk about this, like, raw, 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 we'll get off our lawn. So we've got lawn arguments <laughs> going on at the same time. But regardless, yeah. it's all very frightening <laughs> to think about. Uh. Yeah. Good times, good times. And of course we get episode three hundred coming up. I have nothing special planned. Is three hundred a landmark? Is that a milestone? Do do people want something special out of three hundred?
1: Um we, we have to shout every even slightly dramatic phrase with punctuation. This is the Dragon
0: Ball Podcast. People have been saying that maybe episode 291 is more significant than 300. Well, I got to give you that. Maybe we can come yeah. up with something special for one of those numbers in there. If you guys have any thoughts on something special you want us to do, or I don't know, we did the GT review. We finally started that. Uh, haven't we given you everything you want? And uh, Julian, let's call it a night for me, uh, getting into an afternoon for you. Uh, anything you want to say before we're done?
1: I think that pretty much covers it. All right, then. Oh, there's only a few more weeks left until Chris. Hooray! Yes, so get your shopping done early.
0: Yeah, actually, if you guys want to do some shopping and you want to help out the site... Click that Amazon link on the homepage of the site and that helps us replace things that break. And I finally have enough XLR cables around this basement. I'm so excited about that.
1: Uh, Julian, where can the cool kids find the website? Yes, well, you can find us on the Internet, on the World Wide Web, in fact. And you can find us at an IP address or if you like to use those letters and things instead, you can find us at www.dizex.com. That is D-A-I-Z-E-X. Dot com.
0: Are you so hardcore that you browse by IP address? Somehow I don't think so.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not quite hardcore IT. <laughs> All
0: right, sir. It was good uh, talking to you this week. We'll check you soon.
1: Yes. Oh, uh, Maybe with any luck, I might be back next week, but we'll see what happens. It's always a mystery. <laughs> it depends on family. It depends on commitments that appear out of the blue. That's but, right. You know. I enjoy talking.
0: That's right. And we definitely, every year, we do our end of the year news recap and predictions and all that jazz. So that's something to look forward to. So until all then, right. sir, thank you.
1: Yes, and thank you.
0: And for Julian over there, my name is Mike Vegito EX. We shall see you next week, folks. Julian, wrap it up.
1: All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dai Zenshu EX, the podcast. We'll see you next week. sexy so to try, try, try. all right thank you for listening this week to digest the the and after credits done Thank you for listening this week to my favorite games. Now, wait a minute.
0: You suck. <laughs> Does that sign even exist anymore? I have no idea.
1: Thanks, you <laughs> incapable. <laughs> uh... Oh fuck, I got the grammar wrong. You can't talk you know
0: in what? English Screw or it. Japanese. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Zenshu EX, the podcast. We'll see you next week.
0: (laughs) The greatest after credits (sighs) ever.